I call it compassionate discipline. You know, like with your kids, you wouldn't say to them, oh, you're tired, but like, you should definitely watch one more show. Like you should totally, like, I can see that. Or like, you know, I totally see that like, you've had a long day. Um, and uh, like, I just, I think that you shouldn't go to bed. You should just probably like have, you know, three glasses of wine and a cup of you your kids, but like, but to ourselves, mm. we do the opposite, right? Welcome to the wealthy and well woman, a podcast that celebrates choosing a life of overflow. If you're looking to grow your business, live on purpose, and feel your best while doing it, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, the business coach for wellness leaders and visionary female entrepreneurs, founder of Be Well Events and international yoga teacher and trainer. My goal in this podcast is to help you curate your life by design and claim your dream business by giving you actionable tips and trainings that help you get out of your own way, step into your power and monetize your magic. I'll be bringing you a thought training or interview from experts that will help you break through your fears, take action and grow into those massive visions that you can't stop thinking about. I am so happy you're here. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and to welcome in our guest today, who is Sarah Harmon. She is a licensed mental health therapist, a mindfulness teacher, a wellness expert, and founder of the School of Mom, which stands for Mothering Oneself Mindfully. And she's also the founder of the Postpartum Wellness Group. She's also a mom to two girls, Libby and Sage, who are five and four. She's passionate about supporting humans on their personal journeys of becoming more conscious and mindful parents, which starts with taking care of themselves. Sarah, I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I have to say in that bio, five and four, I do now have a six and four year old because when people hear five and four, they, they're like, the parents out there are probably like, wait. How it? <laughs> it was a five and four year old for a very short amount of time. Yeah. So we're now, yeah, we have a little more of a buffer now. <laughs> They're close though. That's what they I are, right? 22 months. Yeah. Yes. I have my, that was me and my younger brother are the same weird super close in age. Uh, I love that. Well, I'm super excited to have you on a little backstory of how I met Sarah, because this is so fun and just like a testament to how much events are amazing for, for business. If you're in business, if you're, uh, uh, you know, a woman that has business, if you're listening to this, most likely you do. Um, we actually met at a business brunch a couple, a few weeks ago. And, uh, so we're doing this podcasting. We were able to sit next to each other and I was hearing all of the amazing things that Sarah is up to in her business. And I was like, ah, this is perfect. You gotta come on the podcast. Um, and she may be coming to an upcoming event that we may be doing together as well. So stay tuned for that, but, um, super pumped to have you on the show today and to chat a little bit, to get started. Can you just give us your background of how you got into this? I knew you're a therapist, you moved into the coaching. Now you do kind of a, a blend of both or just how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm so glad, glad to be here. And I was so Felt very lucky to be sitting next to you. I feel like it, I can't believe it took us this long to meet. So <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So my background is uh, the brief background is post-college. I, I knew from my first psychology 100 class in undergrad, I went to Denison University in Ohio. 
that I was going to be a therapist. It was like, I was very fortunate to be one of those people that was like, this is it for me. Like I wanted to take every single psychology class. I was fascinated by it. Um, and I also knew there, I had no business being anyone's therapist at 20, 21, 22. <laughs> so I knew I had to go be lost, have fun, you know, get that kind of 20 something uh, era out of my system. So I moved to San Diego. I moved to New Zealand for a few years. And then finally, I eventually came back, went to grad school, got my yoga teaching certification, taught a ton of yoga while mm -hmm. I was in grad school, and then kind of flipped that switch of uh, taught less yoga and really went into, into therapy full time. And, you know, it's evolved over time, but essentially what I've always done since I really have started this part of my career, which is therapy and, and mindfulness and teaching yoga, I, I've always been integrating the two. So when I was teaching yoga, I was talking about the mind and habits and behavior and things like that. And when I'm in a clinical session, I'm welcoming in, you know, mind body awareness and, and, uh, and yoga tune up therapy balls, uh, which are my favorite prop and tool of anyone's listening and knows them. They are the best, uh, created by Jill Miller and there's just self massage balls. And I bring those into clinical sessions. So I've always blended the two. And then I had kids and, uh, through a personal journey with my, my own mother who struggled with a mental health, really a mental health crisis, um, around when I got my master's, that was over a decade ago. Um, I kind of launched into my own journey of learning how to mother myself on a on a level that I never asked for or wanted, but really now is why the school of mom exists because it really pushed me into the deep end of of the work of mindfulness and self compassion of these ancient uh, practices, these science backed practices, um, and then you know simultaneously while I was kind of doing my own working in my own process, I was starting to see private clients in, in my therapy practice, women primarily who were having very similar stories to mine, uh, but just, you know, not in the extreme, like their mom hadn't had a psychotic break, wasn't hospitalized, but they were really struggling with a lot of what I struggled with. And so long story short is that's why the school of mom, um, now exists. It's really this, this, combining of my personal and professional experience and acknowledging that there was this intense need for support for women to learn how to mother themselves, especially in the absence of a healthy mother model. Um, so now in my programs, I have women who have moms all over the spectrum, healthy moms that are, you know, they would say that is their best friend, but also many women who have mothers who are not present or mentally unwell or are not living. Um, so we really have the blend and, and to those non parents listening, those non moms listening, this is a hundred percent relevant to everyone because we all crave love and affirmation and presence mm -hmm. um, from someone. <laughs> and if we didn't get it or we don't have it, or we're um, not getting it in the way that we really truly need, uh, really the the best person to give it to you is you. And so that's really what the school of mom's all about. Mm, I love that. And I love hearing more about your journey. I didn't realize how much yoga had been intertwined in your work as well. And I relate to so much of your background with traveling and all of that. And I love, I always think of yoga 
as really more of a mindfulness practice than a movement practice in a way. It's like the sneaky way, like you accidentally change your whole life. Like you think you're going to a workout class. You think you're going to go, you know, get flexible or toned or whatever. And then you all of a sudden change your whole brain. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, my background was, uh, competitive sports and gymnastics and, and, had some knee stuff and that led me to Bikram. So my into oh, yoga was Bikram, which if anyone listened, oh, I see, right? That like intensity, like if I'm going to do yoga, I have to like be in pain, you know, and be punishing myself. And then Bikram, as I think for a lot of people, that trajectory led to vinyasa and I taught vinyasa and I taught 12 vinyasa classes a week. And you know, that came with its own slew of, of intensity. And, you know, of course, as I think many yoga teachers have this story as you evolve and not only for your own practice, but in being in the room with all of these humans and you look around and like maybe one person is doing the peak pose that you thought was so important, you know, and you're like, oh, actually people just really want permission to like move and lay down like that's what they want and so that that's how I found yoga tune-up and Jill Miller's work and I found that you know my trajectory of yoga now is so much more um, of that intuitive self-healing and self-care versus the prescribed sequence that is just kind of plugging people into a mindless pattern you know um, and so I love, I, I just, I love teaching now. And if I, it would be kind of entertaining to go back to my, you know, early days of, of vinyasa teaching. Oh God, right? I, much yeah, different. I can really, I mean, I still teach vinyasa and I love vinyasa. I love um, what comes through, but I totally agree that it's like that really intense, like style, like Bikram, I almost see that as the gateway into yoga. And then as you progress, it's almost like you caught, you go more and more chill as you progress and don't get me wrong. I love core work. I love strength and I love the fitness part of yoga as well and how it can be, you know, the fitness and the fun, but exactly. There's much more that comes along with it when you really, when you're really getting into it and more of the meditation and, and all of that. Um, I love that. That's so exciting. Now we could talk about yoga all day long, but um, I didn't even have that plan. I didn't even know the yoga part. So that's exciting. Um, But I want to hear a little bit more about the mothering yourself as well, because for women of any, of any background, whether they're in business, whether they're moms themselves, whether they've lost their mom, whether their mom hasn't been fully present in their lives and been able to mother them. I think of of my mom, even in this case, she mentioned this a lot growing up as she lost her mom when she was 18 or 19 years old. And she was saying even raising kids without a mom, like without having that support was a whole different set of challenge. So that kind of comes to my mind when you're talking about this and being able to mother yourself to me, almost seems like being able to self-soothe, but I would love to hear like, what does it mean to the women that, that aren't super familiar with this term of mothering yourself? What does that mean to you? And what are some of maybe your, your top practices or ways that women can begin to mother themselves? Hmm. So I think of mothering oneself. So when to think of mothering oneself, I, I start with mothering And now being a mom who didn't, mothering wasn't intuitive to me. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted to become a mom. I actually thought I didn't for a while. And there was a little bit of a, 
a biological switch that turned on in me where all of a sudden I was like, I think I want to hold that stranger's baby. Like what is happening to me? You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I, I, but then I never, I, I never felt like it came so naturally. So I've been learning how to mother, right? So my definition of mothering even has been evolving. And so the way that I see mothering is regularly tuning in to my children, right? Into their, their body, into their affect, into what they're saying to, acknowledge what their present moment needs are Mm. and assertively trying to take care of those needs with discernment, compassion, and intentional action, right? So that's what I find my mothering journey is. And as the, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, yeah, I relate to that. Like if you're in the newborn land stage, it's like, what the fuck is going on with this kid, right? Like, so discernment is like, I don't know what's going on here. And sometimes it feels that way with ourselves, right? So now I take that that working definition of mothering and I apply it to myself. So mothering myself is regularly tuning in to my mind and body to acknowledge my own present moment needs and to assertively take care of those needs with mindful discernment, self-compassion and intentional action. So when I speak, when that's my definition, that's self-care to me. Mm. So they're, they're one in the same. That's actually my definition of self-care. Um, and what that is inclusive of is it's the way that we are thinking and speaking to ourselves. So when I think a lot of times when we talk about self-care, it's very behavioral, it's actions, it's the class you went to or the trip you went on, right. Or something like that. Um, or the food that you're putting in your mouth or not putting in your mouth. And this, my definition of self-care is as a therapist, you know, I, I, I'm so acutely aware that it's so much bigger than that, right. It is not the manicure the manicure is nice, but it is the, the, what you say to yourself in those moments of struggle or, Um, the one deep breath you take, you know, things like that. There's just this huge umbrella of mothering oneself and self-care. Yes. I love that definition so much. And for actually the moms listening too, because I think of this, uh, you know, I'm not a mom myself, but I see a lot of moms that bring this up with um, being able to have the time for self-care or, feeling like I'm not able to tap into my own self-care and mother myself because I'm so focused on taking care of everyone else in my life. Um, as a woman, as a mom that can come up. So what would you say, like, what is the importance of taking Mm -hmm. this time and intentionality to mother yourself? And how does that then feed into your abilities to mother your children and to show up more fully for everyone else in your, in your life? Yeah. I mean, this is, it's such an important question topic. You know, I, the, the uh, image that I use metaphor uses that of a boomerang. Like if you throw a boomerang properly, the idea is that it comes back. Right. And I think of self-care as a boomerang in those, that early postpartum stage, meaning there's nothing more selfless that teaches you selflessness than having a child. I mean, number one, if you are able to carry that child, you are sharing your body with a human. There is nothing (laughs) more intimate and selfless. And it's very cool for some people. They love pregnancy, but for others, it's, it's really intense to host, uh, uh, to share your body. Mm -hmm. And then of course you're launched into this, this postpartum period where 
your whole life is about keeping this human alive and trying to figure out how to do that, right? And so your needs, your self-care takes a huge backseat. And I think what happens is for so many moms is the boomerang doesn't come back, right? We throw it and we learn how to throw it and we learn how to take care of our kids. And in that, sometimes we forget how to take care of ourselves, especially because the environment and our life doesn't provide the same access to taking care of ourselves that we had prior to having kids. So we don't know what to do, right? It's like, well, if I can't go to the 90 minute Bikram class, which actually so much more because you have to drive there and then you're sweating your ass off. And right. So it's like, it's like a whole morning or an afternoon, then I don't know what to do. So I, so I'm not doing anything because, you know, in the, in the 30 seconds that I had the baby cries, right? So it's this recalibration of what does mothering myself, what does self-care look like today in this season of my life? And that is really, I think, you know, it's, it's, you need support in that and you need to figure that out because there's a lot of frustration, uh, I think resentment and shame in all baked into that, not really knowing what helps you take care of yourself and also not really knowing how to get it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And, um, on that same topic with the self-care, how do you, cause I know you do with your groups with, um, mothering oneself mindfully. I mean, I would imagine that just, you know, as in coaching, being a coach, seeing how much that group energy, when you can relate to other people, when you can feed off that, when you can lean on other people, how much that can impact certain goals that you're working towards. Mm-hmm. How would you say that fits in to being able to set the time aside for this, to learn those practice? Like what is the school of, of mom? And like, when do people come into this? And mm-hmm. is, is it a group actually? I, I guess that was an assumption. I don't know if it's one. Yeah. Of <laughs> well, I think you have a lot of business owners listening. So, you know, the school of mom is, is, uh, I in her toddler years, she is, she's, she's really showing her face and uh, her personality. So she is, uh, coming up on three and what the school of mom is right now. It's so exciting. It's such an exciting time to be talking about my, my company and, and this, this brand because of where it has, like where I am in its evolution. So, um, we have a bigger network now, and I call it the campus community that you can just pop onto. It's on a platform called Mighty Networks. And um, so you can come on and, and I have some mini classes and you can engage with other moms that you know are, are interested or committed to living a more conscious life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a signature program called Mothering Oneself Mindfully. And it used to be four weeks, then it was six weeks, then it was eight weeks, and now it's eight months. It's a true school year program. So it runs from October to May. And it, it's a deep dive into the foundational practices of mindfulness and self-compassion, but also what I speak to as these nourishing uh, key ingredients in mothering ourselves, which are boundaries, rest, and pleasure. So all of those things are covered and they kind of are inter- intertwined in those eight months. Um, but, you know, back to the question prior to this around taking care of yourself and navigating that as a mom, um, you know, sometimes we need to just take a step back and, and I teach a workshop called make time for you. Um, because to your question, people are like, I'd like to do your program, but I don't know when I'm going to do that. Like, I don't even know how to do a one hour call once a week. And so there's make time for you really breaks some of that down and, and opens up the conversation to, to start to shift 
one's relationship with time in general. It's something that I've really been fascinated about since actually since college. One of my uh, application essays, I remember, didn't get me into the college, so it must have been a pretty crappy essay, but it was on like time and trying to understand time. And I clearly didn't really, you know, get to a a good thesis (laughs) because I didn't get in to that school. But um, but I've been fascinated with time ever since. And so especially as a mom, right, who who is kind of tired of the narrative, I don't have time for that. Um, so I so I teach a worker called Make Time for You that really helps women understand that um, how to you know take that next step into mothering oneself mindfully. And the way that I speak about the program is the 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 program in and of itself is a practice and an exercise and a teaching in making time for yourself, right? Like how we do the program is just as important as like what we're doing in the program. Um, so you know creating the boundary for that one weekly call and how do we do that as a mom and, you know, not just the tangible setting up the time and the space, but dealing with the mental component of the guilt of like, well, wait a second. If I have one evening call uh, that week, I'm not putting my kids to bed and, you know, things like that. So really, you know, using it as a mindfulness exercise in and of itself. Um, so I have those resources, and that's really what the School of Mom is is kind of evolving uh, as as I learn these needs and and where moms kind of hit up against those bumpers of resistance, right? Um, so yeah, so those are kind of two two things right now that I have going on. Also, really excited um, that I'm going to be. I, this is the first first time I've shared this, um, but I'm actually uh, going to be launching a new small group container for moms who do not have a healthy mother model very specifically. Um, and this is going to be a really intimate container for healing around that. Uh, just given my, my personal, my personal history with this, it's a really important, uh, program to offer for, I think for, for women. So that's going to be coming down the track and, you know, the nature of a school is we're always kind of adding, things. And and I have adjunct faculty this year and I'm going to do some live stuff. So it's, it's really expanding, but the core, the core is this mom program, um, which is, you know, I just recommend it so highly. It's awesome. That's incredible. And so exciting. I'm so glad we're the first to hear about this. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's exciting. Back on like the, the time, because whether you're a mom or not, this is one of the most common excuses, right? That comes up for people is, oh, I really want to do this, but I don't have the time, whether that's joining um, a program or something to further their support or knowledge, or whether that's just working towards any sort of goal in their business and their life is this feeling of maybe overwhelm that they're wanting to get a lot done and there's not time. So I would love to hear your approach or like one top thing that you recommend people do when they feel like they don't have the time, like what's something that they may be able to implement um, or to kind of take away right now to, to help with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like you want to hit me maybe when I say this because uh, <laughs> it's, but it's true is that we make time for what's important yes. for us. So you know, as a mom, I a hundred percent will make time to, to like sign my kids up for X, Y, Z class, or like set the timer on the gymnastics registration that closes out in 10 minutes, you know, because that's important to my child. Um, and yet maybe I'll tell myself, oh, but like, you know, I, 
it's okay if I don't sign up for anything for myself or, you know, this is not me anymore. Um, but, but I hear a lot of moms that say that, like, what are you making time for? And there, that's a reality. And yeah, we do have less time. Like, there's no question about it. Like your time, especially in the beginning and the end of the day, you know, if you have kids in childcare or things like that, or even, you know, if you're home with your kids, they're, they're, your time compresses. But the, the most amazing thing about moms is we are like super women on efficiency. And like, you know, you give a mom 10 minutes and what she can do in that 10 minutes is mind blowing. Like it's mind blowing, right? Like I can get more done in 10 minutes now that I could get done in a, in a whole week before kids. Um, however, I think the, the tricky piece is moms are so exhausted that we fall into the, the traps and the allure of the mindless, unhelpful things like scrolling or, you know, just like organizing or taking care of our kids and things like that. So it really does take an intentional approach and a slowing down. Um, I, I call this discernment, right? It's mindful discernment of assessing, okay, well, where am I spending my time and why? And where am I not spending my time and why? Mm. And, you know, one of the biggest things I will say is to take a really good look at your screen time, like a really good look. Like if you don't have time to do a 10 minute meditation, even though, you know, you always feel better about it, or even take a 15 minute walk, check out your screen time and see how much time you're spending scrolling on this or that. Right. Um, And I don't want to take that away from moms for sure, but ask yourself, how do I feel after 15 minutes of scrolling versus 15 minutes of going outside for a fresh air walk mm-hmm. and being, I call it compassionate discipline, you know, like with your kids, you wouldn't say to them, Oh, you're tired, but like, you should definitely watch one more show. Like you should totally, like, I can see that. Or like, you know, I totally see that. Like, you've had a long day. Um, and like, I just, I think that you shouldn't go to bed. You should just probably like have, you know, three glasses of wine and a cup you wouldn't say it to your kids, but like, but to ourselves, Mm. we do the opposite, right? Because what we do to ourselves is we're like, what the, you like just wasted your whole night and you were like, you didn't do it. And now you're exhausted. Now you're anxious because you just saw so-and-so's trip and you know, whatever. And you keep thinking you're going to unfollow them. You don't, or I just spent, you know, 75 minutes scrubbing like the blackness out of the front of my front loader washing machine. And I don't even want to do right. Whatever it is. Like you get so angry at yourself. So really being compassionate and saying, wait a second, Sarah, like you have this precious hour what is going to be the best for you and taking that gentle approach like you would with your kids is, is really the game changer. Yeah. So it's like that awareness, then bringing in the compassion around it. And then mm-hmm. the redirection is yeah. really what it, what it kind of boils down to. In, in yeah. the- and being it's that present moment. It's really like getting, waking up in those transitional times. That's what I, I say. You have to notice, you have to be present to, you have to wake up to the transitional moment where you usually go into the mindless thing that doesn't serve you. Right. So identifying those. So for those people listening, whether you're a parent or not, know the moment where you go down the rabbit hole that you don't want to do. So like that 12 PM where you know, you want to get away from your desk for lunch. And every single time you either skip lunch or you just like shove and like keep going. Right. And, and have a pause there, have a ritual there, right? The moment the kids go down is a, is a great ritual and really be intentional. That intentional action 
to that moment in time. And well, actually, is that so helpful for you? You know, but in a nice way, not a, you know, a, a, a critical way. Yes. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, something that was really helpful to me when I was starting, especially in business, because I think it's the same when you're trying to manage your time, just time management can be difficult for most people, I would say, especially business owners and moms and all the things. Um, Something that I did was that I, that I read or heard somewhere was actually tracked my time of Mm -hmm. what I was spending time doing and what that, what awareness that gave me as far as the business side of things is there was some certain tasks that weren't actually moving the needle forward that I was spending a lot of time doing (laughs) that really just didn't need to be done. So I love that when you were saying that about, you know, you say you don't have 10, 15 minutes for meditation and you know that that is at the root of, of anything good that's going to come in your life. Really meditation is like the key to everything. I I honestly think so. Um, And if you can't find the time for that, but yet you're spending uh, 15 hours a week on your, on, on Instagram or something, yeah. then, you know, it, you need to assess and then redirect. I really like that. Totally. And, you know, I'm all about, like, I've, I've read all the, the books on time management, things like that. And I do think everyone is different there. You know, it's, we can easily get caught up in the coach or the book that says like, this is the way, right. And, and we all know, like, there's no one right way. Um, but from the women I've worked with and all the, the material and the research I've myself like kind of dove and head dived head first in uh, whatever the, the tense is there. I, I do think that a system around like a check-in system for yourself. So I call it for me, it's called my weekly design and doing something, as you said, of like uh, either a tracking or a, uh, for, for moms, I say it's a, it's really like that mind dump, like a mental load yeah. dump. Like we talk a lot about the mental load and we have to, in order to make the mental load more, uh, more workable and to let go of some of it, you have to make it visible, right? You have, you can't manage it if it's in your head and and you can't see it. So making your, the invisible visible by, by writing it down the beginning of the week. And then I have a little system I teach, uh, in, I have make time for you, but then I, I have a follow-up series uh, that's called actually make time for you that we're going to be launching. Uh, and it, it's really the integration and the implementation of that, right? Cause we can't just attend a one hour class and actually change our life from it. Like we have to have that, that those steps. And I do think that having some sort of consistent check-in uh, system or ritual for yourself around your calendar, around your time so that you can be intentional and also continually assess, right? As you're saying, Kat, it's like, well, what, what, what did I do there? Right. And this is, this is making the subconscious and the unconscious conscious and then saying, well, I don't want that to happen again. Right. And so this week, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to block this time out. This is um, the boundary I'm going to set for myself around this uh, so that it doesn't happen again, so that we create a new wiring for ourselves and it's just kind of a work in progress, but it's really been so helpful for me. As I said, I have a Sunday or Monday morning weekly design where I check in um, and I really set up my week to be more intentional. Love that. It's such a just like easy, implementable thing mm-hmm. that can be such a game changer. Yeah. And I will say uh, if we have some planner nerds out there, um, I learned about this company uh, that you can customize your planner. So that's another thing is that 
everyone says like, you know, this is the great planner. There's so many planners out there. Well, this one's called plum paper. So if you've, if you've bought all the different planners and none of them is quite right, plum paper, you can actually design your own interface. And it's like, so you can pull from all the planners that you love instead of sitting from home goods and being like, well, I don't like the calendar feature this way. Like for the, my, I know there's some planner nerds out there. You can create your own and it's so much We're gonna fun. We're going to have to link that. We're going to have to link that. Yes. Because I know I have, I make no money off of them. This is my first round of pl uh, plum paper and I've just had so much fun with it. And I can't wait to do my next year because I'm already like tweaking how the layout isn't quite right for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We have to touch on the scream too. Yes. The famous scream. So Sarah um, went viral for the scream. Can you tell us a little about the scream? Yeah. So I, I just moved recently, but I used to live in Charlestown in, in Boston. And I, as many therapists were, and everyone was really in the pandemic of 2020, went virtual with all my clients. Um, and it was it was ugh, just the hardest time to be a human, but really to be a therapist supporting clients that were in the same situation I was, was quite unique. And it's very rare that happens. I think I've, you know, the, my older mentors who are therapists have said really the only other time that happened was 9-11, you know, for, for many people in our lifetime. Um, and so it was hard and I was having conversation after conversation with my mom clients and my, and all my clients, just about this slowly bubbling anger and rage, which I speak to as part of the cycle of grief. So if anyone's uh, been in a grief, grief cycle has lost something or someone, or really you've been through the pandemic. So, you know, this, like you grieved something, the loss of safety, the loss of, you know, an event that you wanted to go to, whatever it might've been. Um, and we were in this grief cycle repetitively, right? Every time the can of quarantine got kicked down the road, it was like another round of grief cycle, especially for parents. Mm -hmm. So anger just kept being stirred up big time. And I got to the point, the first scream was in 2021 because I was talking to my, the mom saying like, you know, everyone was so angry and I, no one knew what to do with it. We didn't have our regular outlets. And it was this perfect storm of more anger and less release available, you know? Um, so I, I would joke like, oh, we just need to get in a field and scream. Like, that's what we need to do. And my, my clients know me well. Some of them uh, are yoga, have been in my yoga teaching space uh, world. And they're like, well, let's do it. Like, just do it, Sarah. And I was like, okay, well, I think actually we can do this. Like, this is safe-ish, uh, right? So we went out. The first one was in 2021 uh, on the high school track uh, in Charlestown. There was like 12 women. They came out of the shadows, Cat. It was so cold. It was amazing. Um, and a, a, an amazing Charlestown mom and photographer, Alice uh, Rouse, took some pictures of that event, which was they're just like chilling in the best of ways. And that was that. That was a very quiet scream. No one else really heard about it or people heard about it in the community. And they were like, oh, I wish I could have gone. Are you going to do it again? And we were like, yeah, we need to do it again. But things lifted. We came to spring, summer, fast forward to January of 2021 and, or when was it? 2022. And uh, that was this past January. And it was, we were back in it. Parents were in like the most defeated place. It wasn't even like anxious. It was just like so pissed. Like, why the fuck are we still here? You know, we are being, we are like the forgotten group. And people had, some of my clients had kids home for like 22 days, you know, because of different rules or one kid would come home 
uh, and then the, and then go to school and the other kid would come home for 15 days or whatever it was. You know, it was just absurd. And I, you'll laugh at this. So I was scheduled to go on a, a silent retreat the week of the scream. Uh, I was so desperate for it. I had been looking forward to it for two years, you know, whatever. And it was canceled. And I was angry. And for myself, I was like, I think it's time to scream again. Like, and that particular week, my anger combined with the anger of my clients, it just, you know, now going viral, such a crazy thing. You realize like you hit something, you hit the cord right at the moment. And that's what the scream was. It was like, if it was two weeks later, it would have been, I think it would have hit differently. But that particular week in the, in the pandemic cycle was so intense and so this scream that we did got some attention from the local paper, from the Globe. And next thing you know, I'm on the phone uh, with the Today Show. And the Today Show leads to CNN and CNN leads to Good Morning America. And then the Kelly Clarkson show. And before you know it, it was crazy. It was just like the, the most wild roller coaster of, of media and uh, connection with women all over the globe. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing and exhausting, you know, but it was, so the scream really went viral. And the, the biggest thing that's come out of it is the conversation around anger. So I want to just come back to that in that, uh, the, it pointed to number one, this need to release and it normalized anger and talk, you know, it allowed us to talk about anger as a really important and healthy emotion. Um, but really as a, a, a trigger bell, a warning bell for, especially for women mm-hmm. and to say, this anger is signifying that there are some significant needs not getting met because yeah. underneath the anger, there's a lot, but a big thing is desire and needs, unmet needs. And I think that is the most important piece of this is, is allowing people to have a different relationship with anger, to welcome it and to release it and to not judge themselves or judge others, right? Because we all have a history around anger. We all have a narrative around anger from the way that we were raised. Mine was like, anger is not allowed. So I've had to really heal that. Um, and then of course, like really exploring it and saying, well, what is that? Why am I so angry? Right. And I think as women, it just really, it was such a cool bonding experience for, for, uh, I think people that like, we just, we didn't need to explain why we were screaming, you know, that even my husband was like, I don't get it. You know, I mean, reporters were like, why are you screaming? And I was like, the women on this field, like we, the reason why we're screaming is because you're asking why we're screaming, you know, like, oh, that's why we're screaming is that we don't want to, we don't have to explain ourselves. We are screaming because on a cellular level, we get why we're screaming and we don't need to explain it. And that was so healing that community piece. So follow up question to that. Are you planning more screams? Is this something that you think you'll do and like semi-regularly or was this like a two-time shot? I definitely think there's more screams in the future. You know, it's, I, I get that question a lot. I do know some groups that are regularly screaming. I was just in touch with one in Indianapolis, which is so cool. They do a weekly scream. I think what's really you know, the thing for me in the school of mom is that the scream was uh, just an example of what I teach in the school of mom, which is that 
meeting your present moment needs and then taking action to take care of yourself. That's what we did with the scream. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the scream is awesome, but not scheduled. You know, it like, we do have to schedule it sometimes, but because I think for many of us, we have a buildup of anger, but I would rather a mom go out and scream in her backyard when she can, when she feels it, like, you know, when her kids go to bed versus feel it and wait two weeks for the scream collectively because both are great right but but i really i think that's the key piece is giving yourself permission to do it so it's a yes and for sure um because we definitely need the community piece as well there's such uh amazing physiological benefits from feeling that emotion together with someone yeah no that makes a lot of sense so last question for today, and we'll wrap it up, is what does it mean to you to be a wealthy and well woman? Oh, gosh, I feel like this changes. Um, but today, what it means to be a wealthy and well woman, I would say is it really is the, how I explain mothering myself with its, its being present and compassionate uh, with a, a consistent practice of pleasure, rest and, and boundaries like that's wealthy. And when I think of myself being wealthy and well, all of those components are present and alive and in action. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say. Beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on today. Where can people plug into you if they want to learn more and stay connected? Yeah. So the school of mom.com is my website. I do have an Instagram page, but I am currently not there. Uh, I'm taking a break, which we'll see how long that lasts. It's been pretty wonderful claiming back my time. <laughs> um, so the, my handles, the dot school of mom. So, but please go there. You can check it out. I have a fun quiz. People can check out uh, where they can learn a little bit about their own mind. Um, and, uh, but email me, you know, reach out either. I am always checking my Instagram DMS. Uh, so I'm not on the, the app regularly, but I'm checking my messages. So you can DM me there or email me at hello at the school of mom.com and just introduce yourself. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on today's episode of the wealthy and well woman podcast. I am so grateful that you listened in. If you loved what you heard and you feel called to share, please go leave me a review on iTunes so I can make sure to keep all this good stuff coming your way. Also share this episode with someone you think would absolutely love it. And I will be so grateful. That's how we spread the wealthy and well woman mission together. If you aren't already following me on social media, come and join me by following at Kat Sanuski. I would love to connect with you there and I cannot wait to connect with you back here in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and shine as the wealthy and well woman you are.